I hope you're doing well. I hope you had a wonderful week. This week's shir is sponsored by my uncle Mark and Aunt Debbie Frankel of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in honor of my cousin and their nephew, Max Greenberg of Minneapolis, Minnesota's Bar Mitzvah. On behalf of them, on behalf of myself and the entire family, we wish you, Max, a life filled with happiness, health, and may you continue the beautiful path that you're going on that has been carved out for you by your parents, Uncle Joey at Marino, and by our grandparents, Grandma and Zadie. May you continue bringing your parents, your grandparents, and all of the family and friends, and all of Kaisal, tremendous nachas. And ultimately, may you bring yourself tremendous nachas, and may you have tremendous happiness from being a Yid. And ultimately, may you bring a nachas ruach liyitzvay, to Hashem our King, you make him happy and bring him Nachas Rach, and may the Asim Shonim Taibu Mitzlachim, full of Taira Mitzvahs, and may Hashem grant all of your heart's desires. For future sponsorships or dedicating this year, please contact me at 845 367 2959. There's once a young Rav in a neighboring town of Bnei Brak who came complaining to Abshach. And he said, Rabbi, he said, I can't handle it anymore. I'm trying so hard to bring up and to inspire and to elevate my kihilah, my congregation. And all I get is hate mail, comments, degradation, resistance. I really can't handle it anymore. I can't do it. The job is so hard. It's so taxing. It takes a tax on myself, my family. And Rabshach immediately told him, he said, don't forget your role as a Rav. You're a fighter for the Mechantosh al for the War of Torah. This war obviously includes taking criticism and making sacrifices and staying determined even when encountering such criticism, all for the sake of bringing the Kihila, the Baalbatim, the people in Shul, bringing them closer to our Creator, to the Banish Shalayim. Rabshach saw that the Rav was Makabal, he accepted the Musa. And Rabshach said, Come to my office, I want to show you something. So, of course, the young Rav. He came to Bishach's house, they walked into his study, he sat down, and he was waiting, waiting for what Bishach possibly would want to show him in his office. He thought he received the Musr, he received the Chizik, to go on, to keep on serving at his role of being the Rav, but what, what possibly could Bishach want to tell him more, more Chizik, more inspiration, show him something, what could it have been? And all of a sudden Bishach opens up a closet, and inside he opens up a special little drawer, they're filled with these little papers known as Pachkavilin. We see them in Yushalayim, those big white pieces of paper glued onto the Jerusalem stone. And there were a bunch of these folded up neatly, packed away into this little drawer. And the young Rav, puzzled, trying to figure out what does Rav want. Rav Shach says, let me explain. He says, these paper, these Pachkavilin, these are very, very special pieces of paper. And he started opening them up. And the young Rav saw that these were Pachkavlian, these were criticism, these were words against Reb Shach, hate mail, public criticism against the God of Adar, against the Rosh Hashiva. And Reb Shach saw the puzzled young Rav's face, and Reb Shach explained, he said, you're wondering, why am I keeping these pieces of paper? A normal person would throw them out, wants to get these bad thoughts, incorrect thoughts, incorrect criticism, all sheker, because I'm doing the right thing, so I should have thrown them out. That's what a normal person would do. So why am I keeping them? And the Rav, of course, nodded his head, bothered with that exact question. Rav Shach told the Rav as follows, 
He says, many times you'll have Mechaber Svarim, people that write Svarim, Rosh Hashivas, Rabbanim, and they'll leave over a legacy. It'll be a Sefer, a book they wrote, something that they contributed towards society, towards Kal Yisrael, to help them grow. So if it's a Sefer, a lot of times the Mechaber Sefer, the author, is going to request that that Sefer accompany him to his grave, that it be laid down on the grave, on the kever. Mshach said, I'm a little different. I want these Pachkavilin, these letters of criticism, this is what I want laid on my caver. This is my legacy. This is what I want people to see. Next to my name, Maron Haggayin Rosh Hashiva, Rabbeinu, Rav Shach, Shlita. I want everyone to see. Yes, that was Rosh Hashiva of Panovich. I want everyone to see my name, Maron Haggayin Haggadol Harav. It's all going to be there. But I want people to see what I went through. The criticism, the negativity, as Abshach called them, the spiritual arrows that were thrown at me throughout my life, that I had to endure the pain, the anguish that I went through, that my wife saw, that my kids saw, people screaming and yelling at me how wrong I was, the decisions that I've made, how terrible I am. And I had to endure all of that. I had to overcome and triumph and remain steadfast and resilient in my decisions all for the sake of the Rabbani Shalom, for the Melchamto Shalterah, for the Melchamto of Melch Malachem Lachem, for the King of Kings. And he said, if there's anything I want to display to my caver, it's going to be these pieces of paper. And for this reason, I have them stashed away for that day, for people always to remember what it took for me to become who I was. This was the legacy that Rabbi Shach wanted to be left over, that he wanted displayed next to his name. And for everyone to remember when he's in the world to come, that it's not so easy, it's not so simple. And it took a lot of sweat and tears and perseverance and fortitude to rise to the top. In this week's parasha, parasha's kiseitze, the pasuk says, the first pasuk, the first words, kiseitze, talking about the man, the soldier that goes into the field, into war with the enemy. The soldier, the Jewish soldier, is going to see a beautiful woman and he's going to desire her and he'll take her into his house. As a wife. In other words, the Torah is telling us that you have a soldier that has lustful desires. He's in war, he's in combat. And he sees a Gaisha lady, a Gaisha captive, and he takes her into his house. He is allowed to take her as a wife into his house. The Mepharshim are perplexed by this. How on earth could it be that the Torah HaKadosha, the holy pure Torah of mitzvahs, of Aseiz and Lois Aseiz, that guide our lives, that are all against lust, and giving into the evil inclination, the Yitzhahara, and trying to fight and overcome everything we speak about every single week. All of a sudden, we have this guy, we have this soldier, he has this temptation, he falls. The Torah doesn't say, get up, get rid of her, and she's a guy. The Torah doesn't say, off limits, out of bounds. What does the Torah say? Vlog Take her to your house. Correct all the Mepharshim, what's going on? How could it be that this is what the Torah is telling us? This is the law. He can take her to her house. He stooped, he fell. So do tshuva, get rid of her. Go to the mikvah, go to tshuva, klap achet. Vidui. Yet the Torah tells us that he can take her to his house as a wife. What's going on? The answer is, Rashi tells us, quotes the Mechilta, the Torah only speaks in response to the evil inclination. From here we see a tremendous life you sowed, not just for El, but for life, which is 
that the Torah speaks, it understands, it validates the struggle, the nisoyness, the temptations of mankind. Soldiers fighting on the battlefield, often their moral boundaries are blurred as they defend, which can bring to immoral thoughts and actions. We see from here that the Torah does envision a perfect utopian world, society, where no one's going to sin, no one's going to fall. But rather the Torah confronts the reality, the truth. Although we possess Kedusha and Neshama, we have a Tzalam Alekim, but at the same time, Hashem knows, the Torah understands that a Yitzhahara, the Nefesh Abahami, was also placed within each and every one of us. And therefore, instead of the Torah reprimanding, admonishing, and purging this person, this soldier, and saying, don't act like an animal, be a man, be a Yid, the Torah recognizes our flaws and limitations. And even though the Torah forbids such actions, but nevertheless, it shows Hashem's understanding that some temptations are simply irresistible. The Alexander Rav says that this specific temptation of the Eish Sifas Torah, if Hashem would not have permitted it, it would take away the Kayach of Bechira. We all have, every year has the Kayach of Bechira. If Hashem would prohibit the Eish Sifas Torah, that would simply be taking away the Kayach of Bechira. Because a man, this soldier, will definitely fall. And because of this, Hashem had to give a loophole, a legal loophole, in the Isser, in the Tumah, in the lustfulness. Hashem had to permit this. Why? Because He knew that if He didn't, man certainly will fall. And Hashem came around and made this mutter. He gave us the Pasha of Yifastar, Lakcha El Beso, to take this lady to his house as a wife. We see how far the Torah, the understanding, the validation, the understanding of human psyche goes. And therefore, we understand now how the Torah ironically permitted the prohibition of taking a, not only a lady, but a Gaisha lady that's not your wife. In this situation, Hashem permitted it. The Torah understands the desire and the drive in this situation. I heard a beautiful connection, connecting idea from Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg in his Parsha Principles Shir. He connected a beautiful Gemara. The Gemara tells us that there were certain things that Hashem created before Sheshis Mebereshis. One of them was the Chamar of Balak. And amongst others, another one is the Kayach of Tshuva. Now the question is, why Tshuva? Well, the Kayach of Tshuva, what Tshuva is something we do, but why, why did it have to be created at the cusp of, of creation? Before before anything, before Hashem created Shemaim Va'aretz, animals, fish, trees, before all of that, preceding all of this, there was this tremendous necessity, this burning need for the creation of tshuva. What's up, Shat? Why is that? And he explained, we see from the Gemara, we see from Chazal, an amazing thing, a chizik, again, not only for El, but for all of life. We see from here, from this Gemara, from this Chazal, the fact that tshuva was created by Ben Hashemashis, that Hashem didn't create tshuva as merely a concession for our imperfections, for our sins, for our flaws. It wasn't that as if the world was meant to be perfect, and we were supposed to be flawless and only realize that, oh, we have struggles, we have nisayinus, almost as like an afterthought, like Hashem created the world, and oh, Aveh, people are doing Averis, let's create tshuva. That's, that's not how it was created. Rather, tshuva was in place even before the world existed. Hashem anticipated our imperfections, and in, before the creation of the world, Hashem created this medium of tshuva, a way to cleanse our imperfections, come closer to Hashem, and ultimately 
to be able to have our sins and imperfections overlooked and return to our Creator. Circling back to the story we began with, with Reb Shach and about the spiritual arrows, every nefila, every nesayan, every downfall that we endure, that we experience, our spiritual arrows being thrown at us by the Yitzhahara. And there are two ways we can deal with those. Either we can fall and wallow in our pain and give up, be miyayish, and just lie on the floor and give up and say, Hashem, it's too hard. We can't do it. We ignore the power and the potency and the availability of tshuva. Or we can realize that Hashem created an imperfect world with imperfections, with impurity, with immorality, with lust, with desires, temptations. He weaved those into the world and he weaved tshuva before the world was created. And we have to realize that when those arrows are being quote-unquote shot at us, that those are opportunities to grow, to become better and greater. And like Rav Shach said, he wanted those pachkavilin, those letters of hate and negativity that were written and said against him, he wanted those on his caver to be bought with him to the next world and to be left as a legacy in this world. So to us, instead of falling, falling apart, becoming sad, and depressed about our virus, we have to remember that we have this opportunity of tshuva. Hashem says, Shuvu, shuvu, banim. Return, return, my children. He's waiting for us with great anticipation and love, not just during El, not just Yom Niram, but all year round, at every moment, at every arrow being thrown at us. And we have to remember that the choice to fall apart, to surrender to the arrows, is one option, but becoming greater and mighty and stronger, and built in our self-character and wholesomeness in this world, and our palace in the next world is the other option, and obviously the option that Hashem wants us to make, and ultimately that each and every one of us should realize that we're able to, and definitely should make. May we all be zeichet to see and feel this reality, and always realize that Hashem is waiting for us to come back. We have the opportunity to do tshuva, to become cleansed from our sins, and return to Him, and use every opportunity of growth and realize that Hashem and the Torah understands our challenges, our struggles. And Hashem is with us in the pain He created those in His for us to ultimately achieve even greater heights of Kedusha Vitara, closeness to our Creator. May we do just that, become cleaner, greater, and closer to Rebbein I thank each and every one of you for listening and I wish you all a wonderful Shabbos.